gonna hit him with the bags. Always first, never last. I be the king of my class, got the heart of a wolf, and that's that. Double, double, like it's nobody business. I'm gonna take the ball and pass it to Wiggins. When I'm Welcome, everybody, the most must-listen-to Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, Dunking with Wolves, where we are wolves, we are fan-sided. You can find us online at www.dunkingwithwolves.com, and you can find this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Just search Dunking with Wolves. We are also proud to announce that we are looking for contributors to join the site, so if you're interested in trying your hand at writing, Go to dunkingwithwolves.com and click on the article about writing for our Dunking with Wolves team. I'm Brian Sampson, one of the co-experts. You can find me on Twitter at BrianSampsonNBA. And I'm here, as always, with Ben Beacon, the other co-expert. You can find him on Twitter at BBeacon. Ben, how are you doing tonight? Doing really well. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. We are coming here about 8, 8.30 Central Time, so it's after the trade deadline on Thursday night. So we are going to talk some of those rumors. There's, it ended up being quiet on the Timberwolves front, but you know there are a couple of rumors out there, so we'll go ahead and cover those today. And then we'll talk about that crazy defensive list Cavs-Timberwolves game on Wednesday night, and then we'll talk about the upcoming schedule. So let's start out with one of the only rumors, or a couple of the only rumors that had come out um, around, today, around today, and one of them surrounds Shabazz Muhammad. Um, it's been known for a while that he's unhappy in Minnesota, you know, that he wants out. I've seen some of the guys from Minnesota's own coverage saying, you know, that he's just kind of lost interest in practice and his body language has been really negative as of late. Um, so one report was that if they couldn't trade him, that they would look at buying him out. And that came from Mark Spears. He says that with time ticking, Minnesota forward Shabazz Muhammad could get a buyout and become a coveted free agent if he isn't traded, a source said. So, Ben, what are your initial thoughts on the Timberwolves buying out Shabazz Muhammad? I think it'll happen. Um, I think that I think coveted might be a strong word. I mean, obviously, there's teams that are, there's going to be teams that want Shabazz Muhammad. I mean, there were what um, three or four other teams that wanted him at the minimum. I think New Orleans might have been one. Atlanta was one um, back during free agency. So, I'm sure there's going to be some teams that that are interested, but. From everything we're hearing, the bio market's going to be pretty robust. I mean, teams are. Somebody say this banking now is teams just buying out their veteran guys that aren't going to, you know, if they're not going to make the playoffs, let them go join a contender. We've seen that more and more in recent years. And um, this is obviously a different scenario because the Wolves are a contender and Shabazz just wants more playing time. Um, so I would expect him to get bought out. There's no reason to keep him around if he doesn't want to be there. And. Um, you know, they can free up another roster spot. They've kept one open all season anyways for apparently, as we'll talk about, potentially Derek Rose signing, but they can open up one more roster spot and find a shooter or somebody that, that can do some things that Shabazz doesn't do. I, you know, they may as well buy him out, and, and I think that they will. Yeah, I don't think they want him on their roster. I mean, if he's going to yeah. have a negative attitude and if he's going to bring it down and they're trying to make the playoffs, you know, they're trying to do not just make the playoffs, but win a playoff series or two and. A guy like him, he can just rub off negatively on other guys, especially, I mean, I would imagine that Jimmy Butler just won't stand for any of that, you know, how long till Butler snaps on him and, you know, tells him to get his head out of his butt, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah. I fully expect them to buy him out. He didn't have any trade value in my eyes. I was not expecting him to be traded because all the teams knew that, you know, Minnesota was very likely to buy him out if they 
couldn't trade him. So why would a team give up an asset, you know? And so that just put Minnesota in a really tough spot to try to trade him. So yeah, I, I expect him to be bought out as well. And that'll open up another roster spot. Yeah. Agreed. So the other very scary rumor is that Derek Rose could be, or is reportedly, I don't know. I'm not sure what the status is as of now, but it was reported that he was going to be bought out by Utah because um, he was actually traded today from the Cleveland Cavaliers to the Utah Jazz as part of the three-team deal that landed George Hill and Rodney Hood in Cleveland. Um, and it's kind of weird because he just saw Rose playing against the Timberwolves in a Cavs uniform last night, but he got traded to the Jazz today. Then it's reported that he's going to be released or waived by the Utah Jazz. So what are your thoughts about Thibodeau and Derrick Rose potentially reunifying in Minnesota and furthering the Timberwolves' name? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it seems highly unlikely he gets claimed on waivers, which means that then he's a free agent. And it also seems unlikely that there's very many contending teams that would want to add him to the roster or really any teams, to be honest with you. Um, so I, I think it's it seems more likely than not he ends up in Minnesota. Um, oh. In terms of in terms of what what I think about that fit and what that looks like, I, I think it's horrible. Um, you could make an argument Derrick Rose has been the worst player in the NBA this year to receive regular minutes, at least when he was not leaving the team for a couple weeks at a time. Um, and going back, you know, five years, I mean, the injury was tragic to Derrick Rose. And before that, he was obviously won an MVP. He was one of the best two or three players in basketball, certainly top five. Um, but then he has not any metric you want to look at. He's been inefficient. He's been a horrible defender. Um, he's never been, he's had like one year that he shot somewhere near the league average from three point range, but he still takes threes. There's nothing good about his game anymore. Like literally nothing. And, and typically if you have one solid NBA skill, you can make an argument like, Hey, he can still be in the rotation because he can do X, but there's nothing that he does that should put him in an NBA rotation. I mean, if he's your third point guard, fine. Um, yeah, I'd rather have Aaron Brooks because at least Aaron Brooks can shoot the three above league average and can, you know, wasn't good when he had to play, but he's still probably better than Derrick Rose. But do you think Derrick Rose, who averaged 18 points a game just last year with the Knicks, do you think he thinks he's a third point guard? No, he thinks he's going to deserve more minutes than that. And as soon as you put him on the roster, he thinks he's going to take Tyus Jones minutes. You know, and, and if he eats into Tyus Jones minutes, you're taking away minutes. Jones has been better than Jeff Teague so far this year. So now suddenly you're taking minutes away from your best point guard um, to easily one of the worst point guards in the league. And, and I just think that's a no-win situation. Um, and it's not like he has a reputation for being a great locker room guy or anything like that. Not that he's a bad locker room guy, but there just doesn't seem to be an upside here other than it being a reunion for Tibbs. Yeah, I, I, I don't feel as strongly as strongly negatively about Derrick Rose as you do. I think he's an okay point guard. Um, I mean, he did put up 18 points a game last year, not many players can do that in this league, but I don't think that there's any spot for him in Minnesota at all. He's very, you know, shoot first, pass third or fourth. Um, and so the Timberwolves already have a lot of guys who will get up shots in, in Teague and Jamal Crawford and Jimmy Butler, Andrew Wiggins, you know, they already have enough guys to get up shots. They need more of those role players. They'll do the, the dirty work or space the floor and shoot the three. And he's definitely not any of those things. Um, and, I don't feel don't feel strongly about Tyus Jones like others do, but I am in complete agreement on this 
on this fact that Tyus Jones is a way better fit and way better for this team than Derrick Rose would be. And so I wouldn't want um, Derrick Rose to come in and take any minutes away from Tyus. I don't think that there would be enough minutes for both of them on this team. I mean, there's hardly enough minutes for Tyus Jones on this team as the way it is. Um, so I hope that they that Thibodeau stays far, far away. I just don't see don't see the upside at all. I mean, point guard isn't the backup point guard spot is not a position of weakness on this Timberwolves team, so he would not be adding. It would be um, subtraction by addition in this case. And But it's, I mean, Thibodeau has been rumored to want Rose for a while now, dating back to, you know, when he first came to Minnesota a couple of years ago, and especially last summer when Rose was a free agent again as well. Um, so I'm worried that this might be finally the time that it hits, especially with Rose having a very low price tag. But I'm going to pray for all things that are good and holy that they stay far, far away from each other. Yeah, agreed. Um, and yeah, I think you, I mean, we pretty much agree on this. I think maybe I like Tyus Jones a little more than you, and you and I dislike Derek Rose a little bit more than you. But that just shows how serious the situation is that, that you know, we, we don't feel the same way about this necessarily. But there's really no way that you slice it that this makes any sense. And, right. Um, and, and I'm far from, and this is a separate conversation, but I'm far from the, the bash Tibbs camp that seems to be out there that doesn't think that he can do anything right. And for some reason, everything has game here in a minute, but, um, you know, how everything is Tibbs fault. I think that that gets overblown quite a bit. Um, but this would be just a colossal, um, if, if he were to take Tyus Jones minutes, this would be. I don't know. I mean, I can't even think of a, of a good analogy. It would just be a, a colossal mistake. Um, and the Timberwolves, I, I said this in our quick reaction today when the rumor came out that, that, I mean, the Timberwolves would easily just, they'd plummet into non home court advantage. You know, if you're giving 20 minutes a game to Derek Rose or Tyus Jones, they're, they'll be lucky to get like a six or seven seed. Honestly. Um, I think the difference is that large between the two players you're going from good defense to horrible defense, and that's probably the biggest thing. Um, and also a low-usage guy like Tyus Jones to a higher-usage guy like Derek Rose, who is inefficient. Um, so, I mean, you look at win shares, you look at um, real plus minus or any of those metrics that aren't perfect but give you a pretty good idea of how good a player is. Derek, last year, he was worse than like Michael Carter-Williams, D'Angelo Russell, Jared Jack, some of those guys, um, you know, and, and you look at win shares, and this year, his win shares per 48 in obviously limited minutes, but he's like 470-something out of 499 guys that have seen minutes this year. Um, obviously, there's a bunch of guys that have only played a couple games, but that just goes to show how bad he's been, and he's played with decent players. He's played minutes with Kevin Love, played minutes with LeBron James, and and the fact that he hasn't contributed in any way to that Cavs team and that they were they couldn't wait to get rid of him should be another sign. I mean, he's there's just nothing positive there. Yeah, just stay Thibodeau, stay Thibodeau, stay far, far away from your buddy Derek Rose, and and we'll all be happy. That's one thing that I think every single Timberwolves fan can agree on right now is stay far, far away from Rose. Yeah, do you think there's any Timberwolves fans that want him on the Timberwolves? I think there are probably some Derek Rose stands out there that also happen to be Timberwolves fans, and I think that might be where the only overlap lies. But I don't think any sane. Timberwolves fan would want him. I just don't see the positive or any positives of having that, of having him on your team. Yeah, I did. I did a quick search on Twitter to see what people like. If anybody was saying anything positive, and I guess I saw one Jazz fan that was like, "Please don't wave him," and that was about it. Everybody else was like, "Wait, why does anybody want this guy anymore?" <laughs> I mean, he. 
Yeah, I don't know. What one guy though that I think would be a great fit in Minnesota um, that's being rumored to be uh, bought out, and he's actually a part of the same trade that brought Derrick Rose to Utah. It's Joe Johnson. Um, mm-hmm. He got sent to Sacramento and will likely get bought out as well. I think he would be a great fit in Minnesota. They, outside of Jamal Crawford, Minnesota does not have another guy who can score off their bench. So you know Joe Johnson could come in. He he plays maybe not great defense, but he gives an effort on defense. He is a veteran. He's a good leader, and he can score and play that three, that four. Um, and so I think that would be you know an interesting fit. I I think he's kind of aiming a lot higher, like with the Boston's, with the Golden States, you know, mm-hmm. with those kind of teams. But if he were to lower his sights on the soon to be third seeded Timberwolves, then I think that would be a you know, a good fit overall for Minnesota and give them that little boost that I really feel that their bench lacks. I mean, outside of Crawford, they don't have anybody who can put the ball in the bucket who comes off the bench. Yeah, it is true. They, they don't really, I mean, other than the limited minutes that Marcus Georges Hunt sees and he hasn't played in the last couple of games much at all. Um, I think they, they could use a backup three. They've needed a backup small forward all year um, since they stopped playing Shabazz. So, um, I, I think he would be okay there. I think playing him next to Jamal Crawford is would be rough defensively, and you'd have two high usage guys who are going to want to shoot the ball, you know, play isolation a lot um, off the bench. So that could be the fit there isn't great. Um, that said, I, I think you know Crawford, excuse me, um, Joe Johnson hasn't looked great this year in the games he's played for the Jazz, and he's more or less kind of been eased out of the rotation, and obviously didn't want to be there anymore for that reason. Uh, but you know, he was pretty good last year and he played, he was a regular player for them. He, uh-huh. he, he started a handful of games, but it was consistent off the bench. And as recently as last year, he was a solid contributor. He's, he's at 36 years old. I think, you know, if he plays regularly, there could still be something there. This is the only year that he's like shot below league average on threes in like eight years. I mean, just last year he shot what 41% from beyond the arc and he, he averaged, um, he, he was just, shot a ton of threes for the jazz last year. So he could, it could be interesting to have him come in and shoot some threes off the bench. I just worry about the fit alongside Crawford. Um, and, and that to me is my only concern, but if they picked him up, I, you know, it'd be fine. I mean, especially if they're cutting Shabazz, you need another guy, you need another wing anyways. And I think he could play minutes in a pinch. If there's foul trouble. He can step in and play. Um, I'd be okay with it. I, I don't know if there's going to be much else out there that makes more sense on the buyout market for the Timberwolves. So I'd be all right with it. Right, yeah, there's not going to be a perfect fit at this point in the year. Um, you just kind of kind of deal with what what you got. It's just I don't I don't know I don't think it'll happen, but it's just fun to kind of play that game at this time. Um, as far as other players that the Timberwolves were connected with, or maybe connected is a strong word. Maybe like us fans, we were hopeful that they would be connected with were guys like Marco Bellinelli and um, Tyreek Evans, who ended up both those guys didn't move at all. Do you have any thoughts on? You know, if Minnesota, if they would have been good fits in Minnesota or if Minnesota should have tried harder, what are your thoughts around those two players specifically or anyone else that you're hoping Minnesota should get? Yeah, um, the Tyreek Evans thing, like, it's another one of those actually similar to Joe Johnson. He's a better, probably a better player than Joe Johnson at this point. He's oh, yeah. played really well this year in Memphis. Um, but I've never been a big Tyreek Evans fan, and I think that that also would have been an awkward fit with Jamal Crawford because they're both so ball dominant. Um, but Tyreek's a a playmaker and he can, he can play the three. He played the three pretty well in, in new Orleans um, the last couple of years prior to this one. So I think, um, I think 
the Tyreek Evans thing would have been interesting. I was worried that they would have to pony up something that he wasn't worth, you know, a first round pick or something wouldn't have been worth a rental, certainly. Um, so that concerned me. But if they could have gotten him at the right price, I would have been fine with it. Um, Bellinelli really disappoints me that they weren't able to. to I think Jerry Zagoda, our friend with the Star Tribune, uh, got my hopes up when he was he was asked if he thought they'd make a trade, and he just flat out said yes. And he thought it would be something like Bellinelli, some kind of shooter. Um, and Bellinelli would have been awesome because he's he's played for Tibbs. He's a he's a very good three point shooter. It's kind of what he does. It's the only thing that he really does. And he would have been fine only playing fifteen to twenty minutes a game tops. It's not like you know, Jamal Crawford who feels like he needs more than twenty minutes a game and doesn't deserve you know, that many more minutes. Um, so it was disappointing to me they didn't get Bellinelli. I think he's the ideal fit at that three spot, at that backup three. Um, I No idea. I haven't seen anything about whether or not he would get bought out. Um, but I don't see why not. I mean, the Hawks aren't a playoff team, and, and they've got some guys now that they should be giving minutes to, and there's no reason Bellinelli should be getting minutes um, in, in, on a team that has 17 wins. So – it seems like a real chance he does get bought up. If he does, I'd rather sign Bellinelli than Joe Johnson. I think in a vacuum, you could yeah. argue Johnson's still a more useful player. Um, but no, I agree Bellinelli's a better glue guy and a better fit. Yep. Yeah, I agree with you. And he he stretches the floor, with, which I think is the key that Minnesota needs. They don't have – I mean, Bielitsa, he is a good floor spacer, but he's really their only one who is a true floor spacer. I mean, you got other guys who can knock down the threes, like Teague, Wiggins, Butler, but they're better off doing other things. You know, um, Bellinelli would be that one guy who you can run off screens and, you know, you can run certain plays for him to get him open. So, I, yeah, I agree, but that he would be a way better fit than Joe Johnson, and he's five years younger as well, so he's got more left in the tank. Yeah, I wonder if he'd be – if he – it probably depends on his opinion playing for Tibbs and, you know, what other teams would be interested. Cause I'd imagine everybody would want Bellinelli. He played for the Spurs obviously and Popovich a while back. Um, so if they were in, I don't, I don't know if they'd be interested or not, he's going to have options too, because teams always want those veteran shooters. Um, mm-hmm. And so he may even have a hotter market than Johnson. And it'll be interesting to see. I, I would imagine one of them ends up in Minnesota. There's a reason that Tibbs left that roster spot open because they probably saw this coming that there'd be, Oh, a yeah. lot of guys on the bottom market this year, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. But uh, yeah, there's there's going to be some guys out there. Shit, based on the way that Thibodeau played his players so far this year, he could have left four roster spots open and just and be just fine. That's true. That's true. That's a good point. Um, so I want to throw out this scenario quick. It's too late for this to happen, but it's something that I just had an epiphany. I don't know if it, I don't remember if it was this morning or yesterday or what, but I was kind of getting into this trade stuff, and a thought that I had was. What if the Timberwolves traded Jamal Crawford, maybe with another piece like Zhang or the first round pick, you know, got an upgrade for somebody, I don't know who it would be. That's not, that's not necessarily the important part. So they traded Jamal Crawford away. They moved Jeff Teague to the bench to lead that unit and moved Tyus Jones into the starters. I mean, obviously Tyus wouldn't pay, play like the 30, 35 minutes a game, but Teague would then get the opportunity to run the second unit um, because people are... And I say people because I'm not one of you guys that said that um, Tyus, you know, really elevated the starters to, to another level. So what do you think about that scenario where Crawford would have got traded away, Teague moved to the bench to lead that unit, and then Tyus slides up to help propel the starters or whatever? I, that would have been great. I would have been, been more than okay with that. I think um, we, we probably could do a whole podcast talking about <laughs> – I could do a whole podcast talking about the virtues of, of Tyus Jones with this team. Um, I do think 
maybe he gets elevated a little bit too much by people from Minnesota because he's the whole one of us thing. And, and I get that. That said, he's really, really good. and He's the perfect point guard for um, today's NBA, really, uh, because he doesn't need the ball in his hands a lot, but he can run the pick and roll well. Um, he can hit it an open three if he needs to. He can yeah. also drive to the basket if he needs to. Um, what? I, I, go ahead. Go ahead. What, okay. Um, I think that... I think that he can he can score when he needs to. He can be effective in those ways. He's a good distributor. He's a solid defender. Obviously, you you wish he's you wish he's a little bit bigger, um, but he's been a good defender this year. You know, worse he's been enough um, and plays with energy all the time. Plays hard, um, but but the reason why Jeff Teague is such a weird fit with the off with the Timberwolves offense is that the way that Tibbs runs his offense means that Jimmy Butler and Andrew Wiggins both have the ball in their hands so often. Um, and Teague doesn't really initiate the offense the way that he should anyways. And um, he just seems kind of useless as a spot up shooter. So, you know, Tyus can, is okay being a spot up shooter and you don't feel like you, you have to have the ball in his hands all the time. Um, and you'd be okay having Butler initiate the offense. Um, and also Teague's not as good of a defender, which is, which is probably the biggest issue. We have to have at the end of the season, we have to have a podcast where you and I just debate Tyus Jones' value. That's fair. I'm okay with that. Because my, what, my what'd you uh, what would you make the uh, the what were you hesitant about when I was oh I just I was praising Tyus. I just think I don't think that he can drive to the lane or knock down outside shots. I might just overall without going too deep. I just, I think that he's the worst offensive player every night he steps on the floor. Like when he steps on, he's the tenth best offensive player on the floor, nine out of ten nights. Yeah, I disagree with that. Um, so overall, is there anything else that you have in the mix or that you think that is going on with like the Timberwolves or any moves that you'd like to see them make here in the buyout deadlines? Because the Timberwolves can add, or any NBA team can add a player to the roster up until March 1st, and that player can still be eligible for the playoffs. So they have about three weeks. So is there any move that you'd like to see or speculate about? Um, I mean, just signing Bellinelli, um, I, and not signing Derrick Rose. I mean, those are the two, those are the two, um, they could pick up, you know, if they, well, Deng got bought out, like he probably can't really play anymore, but he's a good guy. He's supposed to be a great locker room guy. He loves Tibbs. Um, if Deng becomes your 10th guy off the bench, great. I'm fine with that. You know, it, it feels like you could do better with it, but I'd be all right with it. You know, even Joe Kim Noah, like would be, I'd rather see him in a rules uniform than Derek Rose. Um, it, I, I fully expect them to pick up somebody that's more of a locker room Tibbs guy than anything else. I just hope it's not Derek Rose. And then I hope that if they buy out Boz and they make two additions, at least one of them is a guy who can step in and knock down a three. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's not a consistent rotation player, but he plays throughout a four nights, like what Marcus Sturgis Hunt is doing now. Um, and maybe they play matchups and some nights it's Sturgis Hunt getting five minutes. Other nights it's a guy who can knock down threes. Um, you know, and, and, and Crawford's still on the team, so they're not going to eat into his minutes. All those giving Jamal Crawford minutes to someone like Bellinelli would probably be preferable. Um, especially if you're already operating a second unit with an Andrew Wiggins or with a Jimmy Butler, um, somebody who can handle the ball a bunch anyways, and that takes the ball. Whereas now, even though Tyus Jones is playing point with the second unit, Crawford's initiating a lot of the offense. Um, which I think contributes to what you were saying about Tyus Jones on offense um, is because he's playing alongside Jamal Crawford. So he's not exactly put into a lot of advantageous scenarios. Um, so 
anyways, I, I think I think not signing Derrick Rose is is one A for me, and then the next thing would be adding a shooter. Yep. R- random question, random thought. Jamal yeah. Crawford has a player option for next year. Is there any chance he declines that? Yeah. I think so, huh. especially given his given the comments he made. Now we're talking like back late November. Yeah, it's he, been a while now. Yeah, he made the offhanded remark of he thought he'd be getting more minutes, um, and and he's not the only guy that Tibbs has signed. I mean, you know, why did Jordan Hill sign with the Timberwolves last year? Why did Coldridge? Why did he pay Coldridge so much money if, if he wasn't ever going to play? Right. So I think I think that that's more of a you know. Who knows? Who knows? It'd be interesting to know what the dynamic there is. How much this is Scott Layden saying, "Hey, you should sign this guy," and they talk about it, and Tibbs gets talked into it, and then just doesn't use use the player. Um, and how much of it is Tibbs really likes the player, and then when he gets into games, he just forgets to make substitutions because I, I think that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I honestly think, and now this is a big tangent, but I honestly think that one of the issues with Tibbs is he gets so wrapped up into the minutia of the game that he doesn't think about that he struggles with timeouts and he struggles with substitutions. That's what his and coaches are for. Exactly. And and that's what's so interesting to me is because he's got these guys he's worked with before and, you know, they, there's lots of things you can tell they're doing. And Andy Greer's always yelling green and he's always with the shot clock slow and he's always running over and saying that they have a foul to give, but like, why aren't they also, and maybe they are and he's not listening, but there's, you know, I don't think there's any doubt. He's a very, very good coach. And he's one, I think he's still one of the better coaches in the league. But some of those things that seem really silly and like they should be easy for him to figure out, I think it's just because he gets so wrapped up. And and that's not an excuse. It's just a, a weird thing about Tibbs. Um, and, and I don't obviously know him at all. I'm just This is just based on watching on TV mostly. But I think that that's probably what's happening. Yeah. So speaking of high minutes, Jimmy Butler last night played 46 minutes in the overtime loss to the Cavs. Um, so it was an overtime thriller. Uh, unfortunately, yes, LeBron played, played like 40, yeah, 48. Yeah. So, yeah, so it was 140, 138. LeBron hit the game at the buzzer. By the way, so there's 278 points scored, 19 players on the floor. Ben, can you guess who the one player of those 19 guys is who didn't score? Tyus Jones. Yeah. So anyway, so anyway, um, I, don't, I don't know that, that I don't know that means anything. It's one game. So it was, you know, it was really a great game. There's no defense played whatsoever. I mean, I think both teams. Well, Minnesota shot fifty-eight percent, and Cleveland shot fifty-nine percent. So it's just unbelievable. I mean, it was basically wide open three after dunk after dunk after wide open three. Um, but the question I want to ask you about is. That last play where LeBron hit the game winner, there's been a lot of criticism on Tom Thibodeau about how he defended that play. So in case you didn't watch it, I will try to my best to describe it. So the Cavs grabbed um, – so the Timberwolves had the ball with about 24 seconds left. Jimmy Butler drove, had a good look at the basket. LeBron came out of nowhere to swat the shot, and then Cleveland gathered it and – started to move the ball up court before they called their timeout. So they were probably, what did you say, Ben, about halfway between their bucket and half court? Yeah, it was maybe a little closer than three-quarters court. Okay, so they were about right there, and they had exactly one second left on the clock. So after the timeout, they came out. Towns was kind of in a weird place to begin with. He wasn't right up on the ball. He's probably about 10 feet away, but angled to take away the pass from the basket. The Cavs had two guys in their backcourt, um, and Jeff Teague and Taj Gibson regarding them. And then they had LeBron and I forget who else in the front court about at the free throw line. And Butler was obviously on 
um, LeBron and I think Wiggins and was on the other guy. So the LeBron and the other guy did some action and the ball was thrown in. LeBron caught it basically right at the free throw line, faded away and drained the shot at the buzzer. So Ben, what are your thoughts on how Minnesota defended that? Um, they certainly could have done it better. <laughs> I think, uh, I think only having one guy guarding LeBron there seems silly because there, I mean, there were two guys in the backcourt that mm-hmm. with one second, there was literally, there was exactly one second left. So there was no chance that those guys were going to, you know, be able to catch the ball with momentum and get a good shot off, you know, uh, closer than half court. I saw a lot of people saying on Twitter and, and around the blog saying that uh, the Timberwolves should have had Towns guarding the inbounder and they should have had, you know, double LeBron there or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I agree with that. I think that there's some value to having a guy that's seven feet tall waving his arms. And I know he wasn't quite right up on the ball, but, um, and maybe that was part of the issue, but yeah. I think guarding the inbounder there makes some sense because you have to have a, a pass with some arc on it. Um, and so you, you want to try and make him throw it over the seven footer. So I get that. Um, what I don't get is why they were guarding. They were closely guarding the two guys in the backcourt. Cause as, you know, if there's four seconds left, you have to, if there's, even if there's two and a half, because you can take two dribbles and get off a decent three pointer if nobody's guarding you, but you can leave those two guys in the backcourt completely unguarded. Um, and let them take an open three quarters court shot versus letting LeBron go one on one for a turnaround, even over Jimmy Butler, because LeBron's a big dude and he can get that fadeaway over anybody um, and still see the rim and make it without seeing the rim a lot of times. So I think what I would have done is I would have maybe left one guy in the backcourt to guard two guys and at least make it not make it too easy, put two guys on LeBron and still guard the inbounder. Um, I think that's probably what I would have done. Jimmy Butler played it fine. I mean, they could have called a push off on LeBron. Um, they aren't going to in that situation, but Butler played it all right. LeBron's just really good. The Timberwolves coaches should have had one more, should have defended it a little bit more differently. Um, but I feel like people are just way too up in arms about it, though. Like, I mean, it, it's one game and, you know, they'll figure it out. Yeah, I thought it was fine. I don't think there, I didn't have any issues specifically with it. I mean, the one the one minor change I would have made would be to put Towns right up on the ball. I guess I didn't realize. Yeah. That after watching it took me a couple times of watching it to realize how far back he was. And that really takes away that angle and kind of negates some of that height. Um, because it's like a goalie in soccer in soccer, when the, the ball's coming at you, you want to step up and take away that angle instead of drop back into the net. And so that's, I think that's a very smart thing. I mean, back in my storied coaching career, I once won a game by putting the biggest guy right on the ball and he actually took the inbounds pass. We got the steal for the bucket and the win. So I I think that's what you want to do is put your biggest guy on the ball to make that as difficult of a pass as it can be. And it was a right on the money pass. I mean, he threw it a long distance. He threw it. I, I don't remember who it was, but he threw it over his head, you know, right on the money. And it's, it's tough for me because it was Jeff Green that threw the ball inbounds. Is that who it was? Yeah. Okay, and I mean that was a, was a perfect pass, right where LeBron yeah. could only where LeBron could get it. I mean he threw it away from Butler, um, and I think one thing that's difficult is yeah it probably would have been smarter to put the one guy in the backcourt like you said, but then the Cavs aren't going to have two guys to sit back there. You know the one of the guys who's not being guarded is then going to run into the front court, and sure. if you're doubling LeBron, then he might catch a wide open three pointer or something like that. You know, and so that's that's it's always like a you know you can't just change one team strategy because. You can't just change one team strategy because then the other team strategy is going to change as well. Um, but if LeBron just didn't hit that amazing shot, then we would have 
not had a second thought about the way they played the played that possession. Exactly. Yeah. Because I mean, Jimmy Butler contested the shot. Like it, it, it was just a great shot and that's, they could have played it better. Great shots. Exactly. And, and that's the thing. Like you play the Cavs twice and you lose once on a buzzer beater, blow them out the other time. Um, obviously the Cavs aren't an outstanding team. Um, and now they're a completely different team than they were 24 hours ago. But, um, but yeah, I, I didn't, you know, it was disappointing to lose the game. They should have defended that last play a little bit better, but man, I mean, we're still looking at one of the best six teams in the NBA. So I, you know, I, I had a tough time getting too upset about it. And they've, the Timberwolves have played very well here this last week. I mean, take away the game to the Atlanta Hawks on January 29th, but then they lost at Toronto by five points, even though they held the big lead for most of that game. You know, that's not a bad loss. Toronto is a really good team. They beat a good Milwaukee Bucks team. They beat a good Pelicans team. And then they lost on the road to a good Cavs team. So, you know, they, they've been playing some good basketball. And coming up here, they have a couple of cupcakes mixed in with a couple of really difficult games. So Friday night, I'm really looking forward to this one. It's the Jimmy Butler versus Chicago Bulls. Friday night, and it's on ESPN. It's Butler's return to Chicago. Um, so that will be a really exciting game. Then Sunday, they play the, the Sacramento Kings at home. Then Tuesday, they'll play the Houston Rockets at home, followed up by Thursday, um, a home game against the Lakers, and then right away a back-to-back at Houston again on next Friday, February. Oh, that's after the All-Star break. I just jumped way ahead. Yeah, so there's, we'll, a, there's so, like a week break in there. Yeah, I didn't realize that right away. So yeah, so, so their last game then before the All-Star break is Thursday against the Lakers. So they got four more games, and three of them are very winnable. I'm I'm really interested to see that Rockets game on Tuesday because um, I think that could be a potential, you know, if they can get that three seed, that'd be a potential second round matchup that Minnesota, you know, needs to start figuring them out. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the next, it, it'd be really nice to win at least three out of four going into the all-star break and get oh, some yeah. momentum because I mean, then you'd be looking at, five out of seven wins and you'd feel a lot different about it. Whereas if they go two and two, even um, then you look at the last three weeks and say, Oh, they played 500 ball for three weeks. But uh, being able to say you've won five out of uh, two of the four national TV games. Um, and then, you know, if they somehow were to beat Houston, if they won all four of those and, and were able to beat Houston um, and even the season, even the season series between the two teams, that'd be huge. Um, and with the team relatively healthy now and, um, none of these are back-to-backs or anything like that. Um, it's a favorable schedule leading up to the All-Star break, and, and it would just make everybody feel, feel a lot better, I think. Yeah, as it stands today on Thursday, the Timberwolves are 34-23, and 23, so they're a game and a half behind the Spurs for the third seed, but they hold a two-game lead over the Thunder in both the division and for that fifth place in the Western Conference. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I agree with what you said. You want some momentum going into the break. You feel better about yourself. Then you can get some rest with a, you know, relaxed mind. And I mean, it's just, it's huge. It's like at the end of the quarters, you want to go on a run quick, get, steal a quick four or six points on your opponents at the end of each quarter. And that's kind of what they want to do here is steal a quick three, four games here. And, you know, really realistically, if they can win all four, they'd go in 15 games above 500. And that would just be awesome. Yeah. Any last thoughts about their schedule? No, I don't think so. I, I think we're we're really seeing the the Western Conference kind of shake out. Um, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of a lot of basketball left to be played, but um, I think you, you've got a clear top two. 
and then you've got that you know second tier although i really think you're going to be looking at odds are you know unless suddenly tyus jones minutes becomes Derek rose minutes i think you're going to see the spurs in three the Timberwolves in four at the end of the season um the spurs are just too consistent and and perhaps Kyle leonard comes back at some point although we don't know that um but the thunder losing andre roberson is a huge blow and yeah. even though they've been playing a lot better overall i mean he's arguably the best perimeter defender in the league um you know i would put him in that category um in that conversation for sure um and without him, I mean, that means that they don't have somebody to cover up Westbrook's deficiencies and the um, occasional deficiencies of Carmelo Anthony. Um, you've only got one good defender now on the perimeter and Paul George, and that's an issue um, in the Western Conference. So, um, And the Nuggets will get Paul Millsap eventually, but they've had some issues too. So I think you're looking at a pretty clear top two, a solid three and four, and then the, you know, the five through eight is, is just going to be uh, really fun. Quick thought before closing out here, um, yeah. kind of on your Roberson um, point. If if the standings hold as is, Minnesota would play the Thunder in the first round, yeah. and Roberson would have been matched up with Wiggins. So this really opens the door for Wiggins to take advantage in that series because you know he's not going to have that good defender. I mean, obviously Paul George would be matched up with Butler. So yeah, that's why that's why you have that third score like Wiggins, so he can take over series or games like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you'd put Taj Gibson on Carmelo and, um, you know, I, I think that without Roberson, that matchup is a lot less scary for the Timberwolves. Um, they've beaten them three out of four games this year when they played each other, which is crazy that the season series is already done. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that all three games, the Wolves won were close. Whereas the one that the Thunder won wasn't all that close. Um, if I'm remembering this correctly. So I, I think it's still a tough matchup if that ends up being what it is. Um, but uh, it's it's a lot less scary without Roberson on the board. Agreed, agreed. All right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to Dunking with Wolves. Don't forget to check us out online at www.dunkingwithwolves.com. You can find this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Just search Dunking with Wolves. We are also looking for contributors to join the site. So if you're interested in trying your hand at writing, go to our dunkingwiththewolves.com and click on the article about writing for Dunking with Wolves and it'll take you right to where you need to be. I'm Brian Sampson, one of the co-experts on Dunking with Wolves. You can find me on Twitter at BrianSampsonMBA. I'm here. I was joined as always by Ben Beacon. You can find him on Twitter at BBeacon. He's the other co-expert for the site. Thank you, Wolves fans. Hope to catch you guys next time. I'm gonna take the ball and pass it to Wiggins. When I'm at the line, no, I'm gonna finish. My